you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, it's almost New Year's. I guess we're going to set resolutions. Oh, let's be different next year. Yeah. Let's do it better. Yeah, let's make a list of a whole bunch of stuff. People make lots of lists. Well, let's be really ambitious. Yeah, well, we can do ambitious things, but would it surprise you to find out that David only had one thing on his list? Well, we better find out what that is. Let's see what that is today I'm on More Than, than Ink. Hey, 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 this is More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're so glad you joined us on this holiday weekend. Uh, we are actually airing this show on the Saturday before New Year's in uh, 2023. So we thought, again, you know, we would push away from Matthew just a little bit. We'll come back to Matthew next week uh, as Jesus continues to talk with the Pharisees. But we... Uh, we wanted to look at New Year's. I mean, we always, everyone always at New Year's looks forward to the next year. Many people make resolutions, which they keep for maybe a month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's, also, it's always a very healthy time for us as believers to kind of reset ourselves and say to ourselves, what's important? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what am I presuming on? What am I not? You know, what, what's important here? And actually to turn our eyes toward God. So, so we're going to look at Psalm 39 today as a way to help guide our attentions into the, the next year and maybe to get us a little bit more balanced about how we make our plans and what the next year is all about. Yeah, you know, it's it's become an exercise for me on either on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day in the last few years to just kind of hold still for a little while and consider who I am and who God is. Yeah, yeah. And that takes different forms in different years, different scriptures that the Lord brings me to. But this is a very interesting one, Psalm 39, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, thinking through this. So um, it's not going to be what you're expecting. <laughs> 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 this is a prayer of humility. No, it's great humility. And hope. And I like the humility aspect of it because a lot of people, when they look forward into the next year, when they do the resolutions, many times they're very ambitious. Sure. Oh, I'm going to get this done by the end of the year. I'm going to do this. Or maybe, and I'm going to be different this year. Right. It's it's almost prideful in it its is. presumption about what you will be able to do and what you're going to accomplish. And people will always say, well, you need goals. And I don't, I don't mind goals. But um, but David, who's the author of this, in a very humble way, is not setting goals. <laughs> he's uh, he's just being really measured about who he is and about perhaps the limited amount of time he has left, or even the effectiveness of life that he has left. And and we're we're talking about the King of Israel. Who, yeah, and it's interesting to me that this psalm written by David, but it's directed to the choir master Jeduthun. And if you the yeah. place where he occurs is in First Chronicles sixteen, where he's described as a musician who's dedicated by name and then it says to bang the drums and play the trumpets and be mm-hmm. at the gate and so Jonathan if you just listen to first chronicles uh, 14 16 is is a guy who makes celebration music yeah yeah so yeah so yeah. david has directed this song to him <clears throat> hmm Yep. Uh, that kind of attracts my attention. I'm thinking about that yeah, as a musician. Yeah. Well, it, it's always kind of a mind bender to think that the Psalms are all songs. Right. They're sung. So these are the lyrics to a song that was sung. And uh, quite an interesting collection of lyrics for a song. 
we better read it. Let's read it. <laughs> Let's just go up through about three and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. So starting in verse one, I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle so long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent, I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. Do you want to stop there? Yeah, let's stop right there, because <laughs> then he, he changes his approach. But isn't it interesting? I mean, this immediately made me think of people who go on the internet, and all they do is scream at each other, just yes. scream at each other. And they and in that, in that passion, in that emotion, they say some of the most ridiculous things right. that they wish they could pull right. back. And that's kind of where he is right here. I don't want to sin with my tongue He's anymore. He's fully aware that in the presence of the wicked, you can get into a whole lot of trouble oh, with your tongue, right? Oh, and that yeah. just makes me think of James, who says, hey, oh, the yeah. tongue is a fire. Oh, exactly. You are going to light fires with your tongue. Yeah, and you know, in the end of verse 1, he says, I, I especially don't want to do this when the wicked are going to be listening, yes, when they're in my presence. Guard my mouth with a muzzle. Right, I'd rather say nothing than speak something in wisdom. So let's just say nothing. What do you think? <laughs> and there's another psalm that David wrote. I think I can't. I didn't look it up where he says it. Put a guard on my lips. A guard on my lips, yeah. Oh, well, what is that? I can't remember right That's off right. Our listeners will find it. But, you know, if you're a reader of the of the letter James, I mean, you know that mm-hmm. the tongue, oh man, the tongue. And so we're talking about sin that issues from the tongue. And as the king, as God's representative, he's saying, you know, God, guard my ways. It's interesting, though, that he's saying, even though I was mute and silent, I didn't speak into the thing with sin that <laughs> didn't, didn't solve the problem in my heart. Right? Well, yeah. The it was, fire was still It was making me. him crazy inside. And I get that. I get that. When someone says something either really foolish or totally wrong, and you say nothing, it's just kind of, it's like welling up like a bomb that's going to explode, you know? He says, I was mute and silent. I, I held my peace, but to no avail. Okay, so since we're doing this coming between Christmas and New Year's, I'm thinking many people have just been with family members who incited riot. Oh. Right? So some right, of you are right. thinking, uh-oh, I shouldn't have said that, or I wish so-and-so hadn't said or that. Or I wish I could have taken this or, back. Or I wish I hadn't said that. Yeah, there's all those columns in magazines about how to speak with your relatives over the dining room table yeah. at Christmas and Thanksgiving. So that, yeah, that makes you know. this passage real pertinent to this particular week, I yeah, think. Yeah, and the fact that even though you can keep your lips from speaking, Ugh. your heart, he says in three, just becomes hotter and hotter and, and hotter. And we play for ourselves those things that we said or that we wish we'd said. Right, right. Or we wish we hadn't said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what he does next, I think, is just fascinating. It's just so. Remember, he's he's ready to bl- explode wow. inside because he's kept his lips quiet. But instead of speaking to these people, he does something he else. He turns his attention to God. Yeah, let's read that. The right? second half, so, of verse three. Second half of verse three. As I mused, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Oh Lord, make me know my end and what's the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you've made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Selah. Selah. Always means pause. Take a breath. Think about what we just said there. Mm -hmm. So isn't that interesting? Although he's getting ready to explode because he's not letting his lips communicate the, the distress in his heart, he is going to speak anyway. And I, I have a quote from Charles Spurgeon, which I love here. Mm. He says, basically, oh, if my swelling heart must speak, Lord, let it speak with thee. Ooh. 
And that's exactly what that's exactly what David does here. I've got to speak, so I'm going to speak to you, Lord. And he speaks something of great humility. He yeah. says, "Make me know know my end. What's the measure of my day? Get a grip on who I am. Yeah, let me know how fleeting I mm-hmm. am. Yeah, yeah. So he's really gone to a more humble perspective. It's really good already because yeah. because when uh, in the beginning of this, when you talk about someone who says something stupid and you want to reprove them, or you're someone who does something, <laughs> someone who's just a fool in so many ways, you're thinking to yourself, "Well, I'm right and they're wrong, and I'm going to correct them." But in, in the end here. David says, but no, God, I think I need you to kind of cut me down a few notches here. Mm-hmm. I think I need you to remind me of the measure of my day. He's not saying, tell me how long I'll be before I die. He's basically saying, you know, how accomplished will I really be before mm-hmm. I die? Maybe I need to just kind of uh, take myself off the pedestal and think that I'm maybe I'm not the only harbinger of truth. Maybe I need to just calm my soul here. And, and so, you know, it occurs to me that David is in really good company here because Moses wrote Psalm 90. Oh, yeah, and exactly. And Psalm 90, verse 12, Moses says, So teach us to number our days that right. we may bring in heart of wisdom. Yes, right? yes. Remind me, Lord, my life is short. I'm yeah. dust. Yeah. So this is a couple things in application. I mean, one of them is... Uh, if my life is that short, should I waste my time mm. yelling about things that really don't, don't matter? matter. Or yeah. maybe I should conserve my tongue until I have something really good mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They used to say that about Mr. Ed, that TV show. You know, he won't speak unless he has something, <laughs> to, say. Has something to say. Well, you know. Boy, that was an old show. Okay. So that's been a very hard learned lesson for me. Because yeah, I'm not, not a woman who bites my tongue easily. <laughs> but for many years the Lord has been impressing me that it's better for me not to speak unless I am impelled to speak, unless there's something within me that the Spirit is saying, okay, speak into that. Right. And choose the things that are important to speak into. Don't waste your time with stuff on the edges. I mean, we're fleeting. You may not have that much time. You're a hand breath. The hand breath is... You know, the width of your palm. I mean, it's just really short. So invest your time with other people well, because in reality, your time as a person to have influence is just a breath. It's so short. So just think about that. You know, use your time well. Don't get embroiled in things that don't matter. In fact, Paul says that to Timothy. Don't, don't, don't get involved in all that kind of stuff. You know, do important stuff. Talk about important things, but not that stuff. And I dare say the lion's share of stuff that comes up on the internet that really frosts me is the stuff that really doesn't matter too much. It's, boy, is that true? <clears throat> so, so in terms of New Year's directions, this is really a good thing to me to say, you know, I don't have that much time. I better I better focus right. on what I talk about and who I talk about, even though my heart might be distressed like his was. And when my heart is distressed, what will I do? If I must speak, I'll speak with the Lord. Well, and being the age that we are, we're acutely conscious of the fact that there are way fewer years ahead than there are behind. Sure. Yeah. So, and I only yeah. got a number, a certain number of breaths. Yeah. So Lord, let me, let me be aware of how I breathe them. Yeah. I spend them. And I you know, I take I take James's admonition to to listen before I speak. You know, mm-hmm. be quick to listen. Yeah. Oh uh, what a what a great discipline that is. So yeah, that it's not a bad way to go into the new year. But your your ability to change the world is really quite small. And so make sure it's God that's leading you in that. So let's push on. He talks more about the influence that he has. Okay, in verse six. six. So after the breath, after the silla, verse six, surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they're in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. And now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. 
Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of the fool. I'm mute. I do not open my mouth, for it's you who've done it. Okay, he's going to kind of change direction here. So let's pause. In a healthy way. Because, you know, at the end of that Salah, at the end of verse 5, you know, he's talking about about what he's not going to do, what he cannot do, in effect, really. And so now he says, well, what should I do? And what's my posture now as I do it? Yeah. Um, and he realizes at first, <clears throat> he says, you know, we go about like a shadow. Well, a shadow has no effect on the ground when it passes by. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fleeting. It's ineffective. It's, you know, it's his way of saying, maybe I think of myself more highly in terms of what I can accomplish than I should. I'm more like a maybe shadow. maybe I just think more of my words than I should. Yeah, yeah. Because right? words are just air yeah right so surely for nothing they're in turmoil but he says men you know in in air do the following things you know they're in turmoil that goes back to the internet discussions they heap up wealth you know we're talking about greed again right so he says you know i'm not going to get involved in all that stuff but what i will aim myself at in verse seven what i will aim myself at and now lord for what do i wait that is where do i look where do i anticipate my hope is in you and this is the central verse of the entire song. Yeah. So, you know, when I read these verses earlier, at suddenly I went to Psalm 73, which is oh, yeah. about yeah, the yeah. same thing. It's a psalm by Pretty Asaf, close. so it's it's but it's on the same topic, contemplating why do the wicked why do they get why good do stuff? they get good stuff and I don't <laughs> right. So let me just read you a couple of verses. Yeah. For uh, Psalm 73, verse 15 says, "If I had said, I will speak thus." Behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight <laughs> until I came into the sanctuary of God. Yeah, yeah. Then I perceived their end. <sighs> and there's exactly the same thought, right? Why am I in, stirred up and in turmoil over these things? Come yeah. to God. Yep. Come huh. into the holy place alone with God and I so often find myself praying, Lord, I'm 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 looking to you so you can put me in order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and that's what he means in seven when he says, "For for what do I wait?" Right. And many times we look at that wait thing as being a totally passive do oh, nothing thing. Oh, it's not thing. at all. No, it's it's really you know where do you look? Mm-hmm. Where do you look to yourself for the next steps, or where do you look? I I always say it's the same thing as waiting on a train platform. You're looking down the tracks, right? And you're not going off and walking or finding a bicycle or doing anything right. else. You're Train's saying, coming. saying, no, I've committed myself to this train that's coming. Well, in this case, that train that's coming is God. I've committed myself to look for the coming of God in this matter, and I'm not going to choose an alternative. I'm not going to get a spiritual bicycle and wander off someplace. I'm going to wait for God. So it's it's an active... Because he's coming. Because he's coming. <laughs> it's an active hope. It's a, it's a assurance that he's there. So my hope is in you. As he says. Well, and he couples that with deliver me from all my transgressions, right? Yeah, so my hope yeah. is in you. I have this concrete expectation that you will deliver me. Right, right, right. But he's still troubled by, you know, the sin of his lips and all those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And instead of saying his New Year's resolution in verse 8, God, I'm going to double down and I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. <laughs> instead, he, because he's waiting for God. He says, deliver me. God, you deliver, you me, deliver me from all my from transgressions. From my transgressions, not yes. deliver me from them. From the idiots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from the fools because that really. we're always going to have them. That's right. Deliver me from my transgressions. Right. That's my bad, my bad response to people who are fools. Deliver me from my transgressions. And again, don't make me the scorn of a fool. I don't want to say something stupid. Right. Yeah. Right. And God's the one who delivers us from our own sins. 
So, you know, it's interesting where he goes from there. Because in verse 9, he says, I am mute. I do not open my mouth, for it's you who have done it. Yeah. Okay, so he's kind of turning a corner now. And he's he come to realize he that when he finds himself in this position, it's God who's in control of it. Yeah, yeah. God God seems to be the one who is metering the lips of the king right. for his purposes. Yeah. And, you know, even metering the lips of the critics, the fools, right, those right. who scorn us. Right. right? God right. is allowing that. So are you ready to read on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's where he goes. It's you who've done it. Verse 10, remove your stroke from me. I'm spent by the hostility of your hand. When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume him like a moth. Oh, no, you consume like a moth what's dear what to him. What is dear to him. Ah. Surely all mankind is a mere breath. Salah. Salah. Let's wait and think about this Hold for a second. Hold still and think about that. It's almost like he didn't realize he was thinking that until it came out of his mouth. I went, know. I know. It's a fascinating Did turn in his mind. you hear what you just said? Yeah, yeah. So in 10, he says, remove your stroke from me. He's actually seeing this discipline coming from God. Right. Right. And, you know, it, rem- it reminds me of the discipline statements like in uh, Hebrews 12. I know. I have that right here on oh, my do page. You? Do you have that? Yeah, why don't you read that? Because it's, oh, really, it's, it's really so good. It's so good. It's really good. So Hebrews 12, starting in the second half, verse 5, the writer says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, or right. faint when you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Receives. It's for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Okay, I'm going to jump down a little bit because he talks about earthly fathers disciplining us. But Mm -hmm. I want to jump down to verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. That's not fun. But sorrowful. Yet to those who've been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Yeah, it's what you always wanted. And in the verse before that I skipped over, I probably shouldn't have at the end of verse 10, he says, for God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Who he is. Right, right? Because right, right. Jesus himself endured the vicious words, the accusations, the character assassination of right, wicked right. men. Peter says, without opening his mouth, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he trusted in God who would save him. Yeah, yeah. So these verses he's talking in the psalm from from 10 to 11 are really about, it's the struggles in mm-hmm. in in his receiving God's discipline, especially in this area of speaking like a fool. Yeah, are we willing to accept It's tough stuff. Discipline? It's tough stuff. Or when it, I've said something and brought down the scorn of a fool on right, me. Right. Or when you say something foolish and then God corrects you publicly. Oh, oh that one stings. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> I can say that from experience. <laughs> so in you know, in ten he says he causes God's strokes. He causes mm-hmm. hostility from God's hand. It's not it's not a punishment, it's a it's a discipline. Because in eleven he says, When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin. Right, we're talking about the consequence of sin. Right. When right. I have overstepped, misstepped, missed the mark, deliberately stepped into something I shouldn't have. Yeah. And this is an answer to his prayer in verse 8. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Yeah. And God says, okay, here we go. <laughs> so this is actually, you know, you want to use the million dollar word. This is the process of sanctification. This is sanctification. Right? When God allows the consequences of our own sin to fall on us so that we will not 
want to do it again. Well, we and, will be changed. And any of us, any of us who walk with the Lord, who love who God is, you know, who we see in Jesus, we want those characteristics in our life. We want, mm-hmm. and we want the the foolishness to be pushed out of our life. We just don't figure on the fact that it could be kind of painful. <laughs> well, that's what this imagery of, of, you know, when God disciplines and rebukes for sin, consumes like a moth what's dear to him. That's a great right? phrase. Oh, Lord. Yeah. This, May the things that I hold dearer than I hold you yeah, be that, torched. That stuff, that word's actually called beautiful, too. So the things that you consider dear and beautiful, like, ooh, I love these right, things. I love this. My and, precious. And, and, my precious, exactly. <laughs> and yet, you know, it's got really no value at all. And what's God doing, I think, is Corey Tenboom that says what he does is he takes your grip that has all these mm-hmm. fingers around it and he peels your fingers off one at a time mm-hmm. around the thing that you consider dear but really is worthless. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and in many senses, that's what sin is. Sin is a pursuit of those things that are worthless. We think will bring life, but in the end, they're not. They'll destroy us. So why would we want to be thinking about this going into the new year? <laughs> Lord, what have I held precious this year that That's proves a great to question. be dust right. that went up in flames? Right. God, I want you to consume like a moth the things that are dear to me that really don't matter. Anything other than you. What gets in my way of my adoration of who you are. Yeah. And that will be, I guarantee, a painful process. Yes. Because you have attached yourself to these things over the years and you've considered themselves dear. You've also put money and effort into these things. And God's saying, you know, it's just not a good use of your time or your money or your resources. And chances are we're coming up to the new year and some things that we thought would happen that we had placed our hope in went up in flames. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. went down in flames. <laughs> yeah. So God, consume like a moth those things that I wrongly consider right. dear to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Well, let's push on. We're running okay. short on time. Verse 12. Verse 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears. Oh, that's great. For I'm a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. I want to pause there for a minute because that yeah. idea is it comes out of Leviticus when God says, "Hey, you're a sojourner in my land, right, right? Right? I own everything. You're here as my guest. Yes, yes. So you know this is a this is kind of a recalibration. I get it. I'm mm-hmm. just a visitor. Here. I'm just I'm not this making is, a home it's here. All yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a sojourner with you, a guest like all my fathers. Yeah. Verse thirteen. Look away from me that I may <laughs> smile again before I depart and am no more. Right, right. Okay, so that presents us a little bit of a puzzle, uh-huh, right? Yeah. What was he asking for? Right. Because don't we long to see the face of God? And the scripture says, in Christ we, we look into the face of God mm-hmm, in Jesus. Mm-hmm. But isn't this this idea of the penetrating gaze that you can't squirm out from under, right? Mm-hmm, You're fully mm-hmm. exposed. Yeah, yeah. It's also a, it's also a longing for the day where our preparation or sanctification is completed. Complete. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> this has been a hard thing walking this earth, you know, before I come to you because that's that's what his metaphor here is all about. He's right. talking about coming to him and after dying before I depart and him no more. He says, you know, this is a tough Row, but I understand in the sanctification you're changing me, right? And you know, and there's there's the longing of Paul in in Romans eight. You know, who's gonna se- who's gonna set me free from this this body of this death. body of death, yep. this sin? And so he's saying, you know, I'd like to have a little time before I die where we're not working on this. But I, but you know, 
I'll, let's work on it because I want to be shaped into your image. So he really, you know, in the end of 12 is, is you can broaden that to a much bigger spiritual sense of saying, you know, I'm a sojourner on this earth. My, my fleshly experience here is a short one. We already know right. that it's a hand breadth, but it's really necessary and it's very valuable in terms of God transforming us into the image of his son. So I'm just a sojourner here. I'm a guest here, but my real home is not here. It's in heaven with God. So I, I, his, his attitude is really good. Hear my prayer. Give, give ear to what I'm crying about. You know, hold not your peace at my tears. I mean, this is stu- tough stuff mm-hmm. he's talking about. And so this next year in 2024 may be a tough year. But, but recognize the fact that uh, any, any father who loves his child disciplines. And this may be all about discipline. To transform you into the image of his son, which David himself said in 8, deliver me from my transgressions. Mm-hmm. That could be in the offing for this year. And in silence, we can know that God is God. Right. right. We don't always have to speak into everything. Oh, where is that verse that says, you're God in heaven and I'm here on earth, so let my words be Oh, few. I just looked it up last week. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I just quoted it exactly. I just can't put the reference on I it. I think it's Ecclesiastes. I think it is too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, our time here is short, but our time here is extraordinarily valuable in terms of God changing us into His image. Important. And yeah. it's going to be a tough road. It's not a comfortable road, but it's a road toward God changing us and transforming us in the image of His Son, which in our deepest core is exactly what we want. We want to love like Jesus loved. We want to have compassion like Jesus had compassion. We want to think nothing of ourselves and everything about God and the people that he loves. That's what we want. But he's going to have to pry your little fingers off one at a time over those things that you consider dear. So let's face into the new year with humility and with a quietness before God and allow him to show us <laughs> what what needs to be consumed like a moth to the flame <laughs> and let's not hold on to those ashes and carry them into the new year yeah yeah and maybe as he started at the outset maybe you need to cut back a little bit on your foolish time on the internet on your foolish <laughs> well david your, didn't say that <laughs> well you know that's how i take it you know invest yourself well in the next year that's what he's saying from the beginning of this invest yourself well but don't overestimate what mm. you're capable of you know you're a shadow. You may not be as capable as you think you are. But what you need to do, the focus of the whole thing, God, this is what I wait for. My hope is, is you. you. Yeah. So that's our hope for you and coming up in the next new year. And we pray you join us again as we come back and look at Matthew here on, on More Than, Than Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you're there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. I like that. (laughs) I just didn't know what to say. This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.